Welcome. Welcome to Know Your Roles. We're here. Hey, guys. What is going on? Thank you for joining us. Um, I don't know why I asked what is going on. No one can answer me. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you guys for joining us. We are here again for another week. We have a great show for you today. I am very excited about it. We are going to be talking with a very special guest, Leslie Stein, author, illustrator, bartender, musician, and very talented at uh, all of these all of these uh, these skills. We have her on to have a great conversation. We talk about her work and and what her life, uh, you know, during this pandemic has been like, and and uh, yeah, and we talk a lot about bartending, something the three of us have in common. I think uh, between the three of us, we probably have about three decades worth of bar bartending experience. Don't remind me. That sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> you mean our our with our bar experience uh, is only a handful of years from running for president? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it collectively, sounds, you know I mean? collectively, even doesn't matter. One third is still one third. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, but I I uh, I had a great time. I think as as you did as well, uh, chatting with her about all sorts of stuff. And we, we we play our game, and I I I think we all really gave a lot of thought to our game and, and really enjoyed it. And we uh, build a bar shift with uh, songs what songs you you play at what points of the shift and you know i think i'll speak for myself but i, I know that you feel the same way george in that you know music is something that's very important to bartenders to most bartenders and uh something we think about a lot and it's like a big part of the job that you know a lot of people maybe don't realize but uh yeah so i had a lot of a lot of great i had a lot of fun talking to her and doing that and thinking about that yeah, she was a good hang. I like to say that that's a good hang. I spent the last time I saw her was oddly enough. I spent like forty five minutes riding on a on a ferry to uh, to Rockaway. So it's kind of nice to sort of see her again. She's a, definitely a great hang. Cool. Well, that's coming up very shortly. Uh, first, we're going to do some bar talk where we you know talk about uh, all sorts of things that are in on and at our bars. I think we say something different like every time. Um, <laughs> But uh, so it's all of the above. It's like improv. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, you know, we have a template, but we, we're people, and we let we let things happen. Um, but so that being said, I'm gonna I'm gonna start. Uh, I'm gonna open my bar, and uh, I want to talk New York City politics for just one second. This is a this is a huge year for New York City as far as politics go, in terms of elections. Of course, the mayor's seat is up. Manhattan District Attorney, many other uh, important offices, including 35 of 51 city council seats. So there is a very good chance your district is going to be up. Uh, it's also a big year because this is the first year that New York City, we're doing ranked choice voting. We actually get to vote for more than one person and make a, a ranking. And it's really an encouraging thing that's happening. There's a lot of potential to change things and, and to uh, to make our voices heard. I know that's very overwhelming. There's a lot to learn, but I have a couple of resources here that that are, I think, personally, are just very, very good sources of information and you know, very important to educate yourself on on these candidates and, and the issues and the races that are that are happening. And one would be just in general, Gothamist. Gothamist does a fantastic job of 
uh, local New York City coverage. Uh, shout out to my personal friend, Chris Robbins over there, who's the features editor. They did an article that broke down the fundraising efforts for the mayoral candidates and showed uh, who contributed to whose campaign. You know, there's no coincidence that some of the establishment candidates, all their money comes from people who categorize themselves as CEOs and lawyers, you know, wealthy people, whereas the working class candidates, they get their money from people that are unemployed and people that are underemployed. To bring it back to something we talk about all the time, Lester Freeman of The Wire, follow the money. Who pays who and who gets what money, in my opinion, is something that's very important to look at. The other resource I want to share is an organization called Soft Power Vote, and it is incredible. The website for that is softpower.vote, and they also have social media accounts, Soft Power Vote, and it's really an unbelievable resource. They call together all the information on all the candidates for all the races and the endorsements, which are another important thing in my mind. Something I look for is like certain social justice organizations who that they endorse. And so Soft Power is like a really good uh, collection of the information. So uh, you make, you know, an informed decision. But it's so important because it's ranked choice. So like you get, you're going to, we're going to have more than one choice. But anyway, that's all I want to say about that for now. I probably will talk about, you know, some of that stuff in the coming year because it's going on and it is very important, but I'm going to just move on and just have one more thing very, very quickly just to change gears. And maybe you can add some stuff about it as well. And we'll just talk about the Super Bowl for one second because it is, the matchup is set now. And you correctly predicted the NFC team, and I correctly predicted the AFC team. So we're, uh, we're between the two of us, we're, we're totally right. And, hey. and of course, it's going to be Kansas City versus Tampa Bay. And it's a big Super Bowl because for the first time ever, two walrus head coaches are facing each other. I was hoping for like a laugh. I was, there, I was, I was. <laughs> Dude, have you seen Bruce Arians lately? He's got a mustache. He looks like a fucking walrus. Okay, right. Andy, Andy Reid definitely has a, wa- sure. has a walrus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I made that joke also to just say that like, you know, we still have to point out, you and I talked about this the other day. You don't have to talk about it right now. I'm just going to briefly mention that like, you know, I made that joke just to, just to call out like how ridiculous it is that Still, we see like all these young black assistants and coaching candidates get passed up for for jobs when like, you know, 70% of the league is black players and two fucking head coaches or like three are people of color is ridiculous. And and like I said, like, you know, I remember because from a few years ago when the, the Bears played the Colts in the Super Bowl is actually the first time that two black head coaches were facing off against each other. It was the first time that any black coaches were in the Super Bowl, I, I believe, before it was before Tomlin. Because um, him and Dungy, I believe, are the only... And it's just it's just a lack of representation. And, like, you know, I when I see, like, Andy Reid versus fucking Bruce Arians, I'm like, dude, let's... And then you see these guys that get passed up. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that uh, the last thing I'm going to say to end this, thank you for bearing with me. I appreciate it, George and, and listeners. Um, is uh, as far as the game goes, I'm not going to make the same mistake I made uh, last week 
and go against my own rule, which is never bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. So I think I think Tampa Bay is going to win. I think Tom TB with TB in TB, uh, Tom Brady with Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. That's that's too good. And also like the storylines are so good. Like you got fucking the young hotshot Mahomes, who his own teammates are like, this guy is going to go down as the greatest in history and blah, blah, blah. And he's been in the league like four years. And you got Tom Brady over here on the other side who's like, hey, wait a second there, young fella. Uh, wait a second, young fella. And uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm, picking the, I'm picking the Bucks because like, he, dude, this is his 10th Super Bowl. It's his 10th Super Bowl. And if he wins, it'll be seven, he'll be seven of 10. I mean, so yeah, I think, uh, I think they're going to win. And uh, that's my bar. George. <laughs> nice. Uh, just uh, not to bury Bruce Arians and uh, uh, Andy Reid. Look, they're great coaches, and I don't think they're bad people. I'm just. Oh no, no, I'm just just real quick. It's like they, uh, unlike uh, most of their head coaches, they they do employ uh, three of their four assistants of the of the two teams. This happens to be our Byron Lutzwood. Shout out Anacasia, Eric Bieniemy, and uh, Todd Bowles. Hopefully, he gets a job. I wouldn't take that Houston job. That, that Houston job stinks. In fact, uh, what I would really do if I was him, I'd find. I'd have a real conversation with Andy Reid and ask him how long he wants to do this. He's like, if it's like under four years, then I would just stick around and just wait that thing out. Because he would be, uh, Mahomes would be like 28, 29, still at the peak of his powers. So if I was him, I'd wait. You're talking about B enemy. Yeah, I'm talking about B enemy. It's like, because that, that, that Houston job is not really, it's not good at all. Other jobs, other other jobs, it's, it's and I think it's the only job that's left. left. Yeah. It's, it's Houston, yeah. The Houston job stinks. Um, uh, and then um, uh, Todd Bowles, shout out, he was a former Washington football player who I who I loved as a kid anyway uh my bar talk is going to be very quick there's uh and there's just two two important things I want to bring up the first thing is like um I want to thank the listeners for uh continuing to download our episodes in particular the Blake Schwarzenbach episode and I, I feel that on on my level because I've been followed by a lot of bands and this is my shout out to you guys and bands who enjoy that episode enjoy listening to us on a podcast um uh dm me uh, a song that you uh, that you play from your band and I will make it a point to either play on this podcast or play on my social media, just to sort of like, we like to show love that when people give us love. So shout out to those bands who follow me on, on Instagram. I don't have your names, but I, I, I do appreciate that. And secondly, the last thing I want to talk about is uh, my favorite basketball team, which is Washington Wizards, who uh, who oddly enough have the, uh, the, the, the points per game leader and my man Bradley Bill, but have the worst record in basketball. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping they turn things around. I'm, they've missed a lot of players due to, to COVID, and we're going to try to figure this out. Three and 10 is not a good look. Fellas, um, uh, let's try to do better where you where you can get better. So, um, uh, Russell Westbrook, I'm looking at you, and I'm looking at a lot of you other players. And uh, Westbrook's stat line last night, I think, was 19 points, 11, 11 rebounds, seven assists, and eight turnovers. So we got to do better <laughs> on that. And, which is uh, which is I, I always said it was like I'm there for the Russell Westbrook experience to an extent. Anyway, you, yeah, you you were there for a month. And yeah, yeah. Now I'm just sort of like mm. now you're like, wait, is this it? Oh. Now it's like it's just basically like a, it's like a new relationship in the very beginning. I was like, you know what? I could see myself being here for a while, and then something bad happens, and you just sort of just switch gears. It's like, you know what? I don't think I think I may have been premature with that take. So you are are you emerging from the honeymoon phase then? Uh, I don't know. If it's like I think we went. It, this is like. Every relationship that most that like every relationship, I was gonna say every relationship I'm in, but I'm like not gonna say that. Um, uh, 
It was like, I'm going to say there are some relationships that start off as one night stands that just continue and continue and continue. And this seems like a one night stand that probably should probably stop. But uh, it's, it's just, it's, I, I don't want to be like at the end of like Robin Williams at the end of Goodwill Hunting. It's not your fault. And just maybe we just, we, we just aren't good for a lot of reasons. But I mean, on paper, it just seemed like a good idea. So I want them to do better. The trade deadline is in March. Um, uh, everybody's like talking about, they're salivating about what, whether or not uh, if Bradley Beal like comes, uh, comes to their team and how much better they would be. Um, uh, if there was a team that I would like to see him in, if it, if I had to see him leave somewhere, it would be Denver because I, I'm just like, I'm kind of over the Tom Brady experience because I feel like he's been a part of my life for half of my life. I'm, I'm kind of over the LeBron James experience too. I kind of want to see some new, some new guys. What's crazy is like LeBron James's numbers are out of control. And some of the best numbers of all time just happening right now as, as a 37 year old, but I've been with this person for 20 years. Maybe we should just sort of like, just, just take an L for, 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 for this. And that's kind of feel about Tom Brady anyway. Um, and that is, that is my bar talk very quickly. Awesome. I hope uh, for your sake that the Washington Wizards uh, improve and, and become more watchable. I will tell you, though, that uh, for my sake, I'm OK with them continuing how they are because I have Bradley Beal on my fantasy team <laughs> and his usage rate is out of control. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it's it's weird. He's out of con- I mean, he's, he could go off for 50 every night. He pretty much can, but it doesn't. Like, it doesn't like uh doesn't translate to, to wins, but right. But you know, I still think that Bradley Beal can be a top flight player on a winning team. I don't think it's his fault. He doesn't play. You know, I mean, it's whatever. Like who knows? But but uh, he doesn't in the especially if you want to compare him to Russell Westbrook, he doesn't have the carelessness and the also he doesn't. Uh, it's not growth. How he goes about his scoring. Yeah, well, and he does. He's not prone to hero ball in the same way that a Russell Westbrook is, where he's jacking up twenty-five foot sh- uh, shots with twenty-two seconds left in the fucking shot clock with you know three guys. For the most part, Beal doesn't do that. So, like, you know, I think he's still like, and it's part of the reason why you guys have not traded him for this long because. Like there is a belief that he actually can be the guy or like the, the, the second guy, you know, yeah, no, he, he, he very easily could have just jumped ship like a lot of other players have done. And I had to commend him for betting on himself and uh, staying with the franchise and wanting to win there. Um, uh, I guess it's like his aesthetic is different. Maybe it's like the fact of like, he's a, he's a married guy with kids and like the, the, the idea of moving around doesn't like appeal to him as compared to maybe like a single guy, like a, like a James Harden or somebody like that is just sort of like, or Kevin Durant just sort of like, I'm just kind of like, I'm cool with leaving. I'm going where the party is. It was like, I'm going where, wherever, uh, same sort of thing with like, maybe like a, like a, a Jimmy Butler. And I'm, when I mean single, I mean not married. And he, and Bradley Bill is very much a married guy with, with children. The, um, one thing that before we end this is like this, that was very telling from last night. So the wizards played, uh, played Houston. And uh, John Wall and Russell Westbrook are talking trash to each other, and they're going back and forth. And this is one of the few times, one of the many times in which like players were mic'd, and you could just hear what was going on. But there was this. Uh, I like to think that I am. Uh, I body language. I love watching like just like other people's reaction. And here, Russell Westbrook and John Wall are talking shit to each other. And where's Bradley Bill standing? He's standing right behind John Wall. So <laughs> this just gives you an idea of what 
I was like with when May the, the game within the game, as I like to say. Awesome. So uh, pay attention to that, everybody. This is actually a pretty amusing club. Awesome. And they dapped it up at half court. It was kind of a kind of a, so. <laughs> I gotta check that. I gotta look for that. It was it's nuts, man. He's like standing right there, and everybody's like, uh, and it, w- it wasn't like uh, he didn't like try to get in between or just so he just happened to be standing. Where he, where he was standing, I was like John Wall and Russell Westbrook are going back and forth yelling at each other. And he's standing right behind John Wall. So, um, All right. Well, uh, I think that will do it for Bar Talk. We're going to go into our conversation with Leslie Stein. So here is that. Yeah, she's she's got a chance in a hurry because she's... I did. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Leslie. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Doing well. Good to see you. You too. Nice to uh, vir- virtually meet you. Yeah, nice to virtually meet you too. <laughs> so, Leslie, we're, we're super excited to have you on the Know Your Roles podcast. Um, um, in preparation for this, Dave and I both read uh, Under Your Writer and uh, Bright Eyed at Midnight. But before we get into all that stuff, how are you doing, my friend? What have you been up to? Tell us everything right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't, I'm like most everyone, like I don't have a lot of news, you know, um, we had to switch the zoom meeting around because, uh, I have this amazing, uh, construction on my building that's lasting like three months. So yeah, it's great. And then, uh, you know, I've had to rearrange my entire apartment and then I like wake up at five 30 so I can like get some work done before they come and make all this noise. So that on top of like the COVID it's like, it's so it's to me now it's just funny it's like <laughs> just ridiculous you know just just another thing to add to yeah <laughs> yeah i think you have to laugh at it just, so what has this year been like for you um i feel i mean the last time i saw you we were we were holiday enough on our way to the beach uh not together but i hung out with you and rick uh on the way down there thank you guys for keeping me company i was just going to just just sit there and be annoyed but that is a very cool trip so aside from trips to the beach what has what else have you been doing this 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 past year since I guess March of last year. Um, well, just I mean I've just been staying inside mostly, and then I live near Prospect Park, so I run around there. And um, I did take one trip. I went to Colorado and went hiking. So me and my brother and dad met out there, and we were like away from everyone and hiking. So it was cool. Um, but um, yeah, I just started a new book, so I'm just like doubling down on that. I'm trying to do like a 250 page book in like a year and a half, which is like a lot more than I usually do. But I just figure it's best to like take advantage of this time, you know. Mm-hmm. Your your last book, I know you writer, came out during this, right? Dirt came out in May or so. Yeah, it came out like the worst time for books all, in all of last year. Like I talked to an agent about it. She was like, oh, you got fucked. Like that was the worst month for a book to come out. And the funny thing about that was because like I was viewing it as somewhat like topical. Um, I wanted to make sure it came out like I really rushed it. So it wasn't coming out during the election season because I figured like no one's going to be reading comic books then because everyone's just glued to their phone. And then, of course, I mean, that's true also. But of course, then you know, that was even worse back then because people weren't already like fatigued by the news and whatnot, you know? Is there ever like a right time, you know, like they said, like, I feel like there's so many, especially right now with everything changing daily, you know, but what can you talk about? Like what, like, how was it night and day? I mean, you would normally be 
making appearances, right? You would normally be doing like some kind of a tour potentially. Yeah. I mean, the last book I put out was in 2017 and I went on a book tour and it was really cool because I had only been on tours with bands. So you're in vans all the time and you don't really get to see anything. Um, But it was great because for book tours, like the fall is when all the book um, like festivals are and they're all in big cities. So it's like this weekend you're going to Austin. And you show up and you just do one hour of events and signings. And then you just like, for me, I'd book another hotel room as not to waste the flight, you know, and then just like party in these cities for like a couple days. So I went to Portland and I went to Austin, Boston and a few other places. So that was like a blast. And it's like always super fun thing to do right after you're like in your house for, um, you know, two years making a book. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I did find a uh, a YouTube clip uh, that a Zoom that you did back in May uh, in promotion of the book and how to draw with Leslie. Is that for your next book, even if it comes out whenever? Is that something you want to do again? Because I thought that was a cool way to promote a book. Oh, yeah, that was for the believers. So um, I've never done anything with them before. And what they do is they do these online. I guess they're kind of like classes, like workshops. So but the thing is that they were like it's got to be all ages content because they have like little kids doing it. So I had to just come up with something totally random to do for a workshop. So I just like had kids, like kids and adults, like uh, drawing pictures of themselves and trying to like guide them through that. Um, But uh, I mean, I don't love doing that because it feels, I mean, Zoom's hard, right? Because you have to speak one at a time. It's not as, uh, I feel like it's not quite as interactive or you can't all have like a conversation at once, you know? <laughs> it's just funny. Cause like when I watched it, it's like, I was, I had it on and it was like, one of the phrases that is like, well, this book is actually a little bit more mature for, <laughs> but I'll yeah. read some excerpts at the end of it. It was like, that are, that are yeah. family friendly, which I found to, to be pretty great. The, uh, your family gets mentioned a lot in uh, your books. Have they read your stuff and family and friends have they read your stuff and have that, what's the feedback like from like, from family members who are mentioned in your books? Um, the one, the only one that ever really says anything, I guess is really in it is my mom. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, I don't know. She, I think I try to portray her in a kind way. Um, so she hasn't really had any problems with it or anything. Um, can you speak to just like in general, what's your approach as to like how to share or what kind of what to share as far as, I mean, your work is very personal when you're like uh, brainstorming, coming up with your next project, like how do you decide what you want to share and things that you keep for yourself and what's that process like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's a little mysterious cause you just kind of go with your gut. Like what's funny. Um, like, okay, so this whole kind of more autobiographical thing I started doing, um, I actually started uh, this book called Bright-Eyed at Midnight, which you guys have. And I would just do like a page a day and put it on. At the time, it was Tumblr. That was the thing. So I'd put like a page a day on Tumblr and I probably had like, I don't know, like 300 people following me. And then by the end of the year, I had like 5,000 people following me because I don't know, just spoke to people. It's like, oh, you like this random crap that comes into my brain? Like, I got plenty of that. You know what I mean? So it was really fun and freeing. 
And then um, I started working with Vice and I had a column for them after they had seen it. So I was doing more like short stories, like five pages. Um, And so during that period, I would have to do a strip like five pages every week uh, in six month blocks. And then they'd like give me some time off. So I didn't really have a choice to get inspired or not. It was just like I was walking around. I'd have one day off a week, you know, because I was bartending too. And I'd be like free associating on things on the street and trying to like think of something that was funny. And then, you know, all, for a cartoon, you know, all you need is two ideas to contrast each other to make a like a statement. So I would just try to do really simple things. And then so I had a book that came out then of the best of those strips um, called Present. And that was the cool book tour I went on. And then after that, I wanted to do like a long format one so that the last one I know your writer was like 140 pages or something so that was like the longest um autobio story I'd ever done just and then I wrapped it with that so now I'm working on fiction and I was like okay I like went far enough and now I need to do like funny silly stuff you know yeah that's uh that makes sense can you speak like so when you were doing uh uh bright eyed at midnight like how did you because you were doing a piece every day and they don't all make make the book i mean was it was it was that easy or like there were some things that you were like this is definitely not going (laughs) um you know or or this is definitely going in you know but or because to me that that sounds like a really difficult process because you you got it down i mean it was so you did one every day right and you cut like probably at least a hundred out right right Um, well, at the beginning, I didn't really plan on doing a book. I just was doing it for Tumblr. Um, um, and then I did like a month of them and I was like, I really like this and I'll just keep doing them. And then after I had like two months work, I was like, I'm going to do it for a year and I should like do a book of the best of these. Um, so at the time there were definitely like most of the stuff that was thrown away was at the beginning of the book because, I was just like dashing stuff off at the end of the day. And then once I knew it was going to be a book, I really like, Oh, okay. Like trying to make these a little more interesting or my, my thing is always like, if I don't have a great story for the day during that time, I would just try to make the visuals as cool as possible. Um, so that at least it'd be cool to look at. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that definitely comes through. I appreciated, you know, especially like, I mean, we can go in into this, but I, I just, it was really cool to me to see uh, bartending portrayed in in, a, in such a honest way that like, you know, George, George and I talk about this all the time. I talk about it with a lot of people, but like, it's one of those jobs that uh, um, a lot of people who've never done it think that they understand it, but yes. there's like a lot of nuance there that they don't understand. And like, I always get myself in trouble because like I'll speak to someone who, I like trust and, and I'm like, Oh, this person's going to get it, you know, who, who hasn't bartended. And, uh, um, I'll be like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll complain or, or, or share a story. And, and they just like, will look at me like they, they like, are like, okay. And, and I feel like a crazy person. And then I say it to a bartender and they're like, Oh my God, I hate when that happens. And this is even worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, how did you, I mean, was it, was it, does it just, nat- I mean, you kind of said this, but was it just natural to you to be like, this is, this is what I want to, like, this is fodder. Like everything that happens in your day to day, you're like, oh, this would make a great strip. Right. I mean, like when I do the bartending scenes, like 
I'll have her talking to people, but it's also really important to me to have her carrying ice up the stairs and doing all the stuff that no one ever thinks is part of the job. You know, like if you've never bartended, you go to a bar. I know because before I bartended, I had a completely uh, wrong idea of it. I'd be like, oh, your job's to pour drinks and like talk to people. Like that must be a blast, right? (laughs) And like not not realizing that you have to talk to every single person that comes in the bar. Um, And you're also restocking stuff. You're also, you know, taking care of so many different things at the same time. Um, So to me, I just, I mean, that's the reality of it. That's, and I want to put those sequences in, you know, Uh, they're also kind of fun to draw because they put me in the space. Like, um, like I, my last bartending job was uh, this place called the gate um, a couple blocks from me in park slope. And I like, I draw the gate, you know, it's like I draw the colors of the gate and um, it's it's pretty fun to do. Uh, I don't draw the customers um, (laughs) exactly as they look, obviously. (laughs) But I'm sure there's a, I I got like, I got the vibe, you know, and there's, there's certain like archetypes of of customers as well. I, I like the, the customer that you have that like his inner dialogue is so childlike and he's like, I am happy. Everything is great. But like, and, and you've, you've, we've all encountered those people who have this like facade and then like they have like one beer and you start talking to them and you're like, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. It's funny that you joined right at the, uh, like <laughs> if you joined like two minutes earlier, Dave asked, is like, what was the bars that she worked at? And I was like, I said the gate and like, <laughs> you can tell what the gate looks like. Cause the gate has a very yeah. specific look. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know exactly what bar that is and that, in fact that's where i met you um uh, one of my favorite things about your comics is as if i'm like uh hanging out with you and uh and even though we're friends and we go back a few years it's like i don't we've we haven't had the chance to like hang out aside from like bartender and uh bar patron was that like a a conscious effort is like when you when you write there's like is like this should feel like like we're hanging out because that is my favorite thing about your writing where it feels like um like we're having, you're hanging out with me or something. Yeah. Um, I don't think that that's like intentional. Um, it's just kind of the way I write, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I think all my work is dialogue based. So I think that makes an impact because I think about the characters and I mean, everything you guys have read is autobiographical, but like, like if it's me, I always think like, if you like hanging out with me, then you'd probably like my comics because it's <laughs> that, you know, um, but more, maybe more honest or I think, especially bartending, you know, you have a lot of people talking at you. And I started doing the autobio stuff actually like very kind of really coincided with when I started bartending for real, because I think I was so worn out by, the social interaction that I didn't really have enough energy for other people. And then like, but you still want to express yourself. Right. So for me, like, I was like, I get to express myself in this way and it, I will control it. And I will, you know, I get all of that out. So like, I mean, you see me when I come to the bar, like I just sit there, like, I don't really talk to anyone or anything. Or like, I'll talk to you, but it's more about just like relaxing. Cause I get all my shit out at home on like on the page, you know? Right. As as a comedian, one of my least favorite things about comedy is whenever anything that happens, someone's like, is this going to wind up in one of your jokes? Uh-huh. 
And uh, <laughs> do you find that was like uh, when things that happened to you, like whether it's bartending or just day-to-day life, in which you're like, oh, that's definitely going to be in one of my comics. <laughs> <laughs> like, like on both sides of that, like where like people are sometimes like, oh, like you should do like a, a joke about that. And you're like, no, I'm not going to do a fucking joke about that. Exactly. Or on the other side of that, you're kind of like, can I, can I use that? Because I didn't realize what you said was so fucking funny. You know, so yeah, of course. Um, uh, I don't know uh, much about your role, but I, I do want to talk to you about about some of your influences and like some of the the, the things that inspired you. So, would you, for our listeners out there and uh, the people who are fans of your work who are going to be listening to this podcast, uh, would you talk to us a little bit about some of the things that the comics that you that inspired you and what was like the reason why you got into this world? Yeah, of course. Um, so I guess like any kid, you know, I just read the comics in the paper. And I loved like Peanuts. I loved this one, Foxtrot. And I grew up in Chicago. So the Chicago Tribune had this like huge section of comics and I'd read it all the time. So I was drawing them a lot when I was like four years old and stuff. Like I was just always doing it. And then, uh, you know, I was just one of those kids who drew. And then um, I guess when I was a teenager in the 90s, um, I started finding like what they call like alternative comics or underground comics like R. Crumb and like Dan Klaus and like Phoebe Gleckner, um, just to throw some names out there. And it was all these kind of like angry or confessional or like id based work. Um, because up till that, that point, I'd only ever seen strips. So it really blew my mind that you could be adult and make like adult, adult content um, in comics. So I was like, well, that's what I want to do with like the rest of my life. So <laughs> Then I did that, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I still go back a lot. Like, the way I draw right now, I think it was a lot to, like, Charles Schultz. Um, just, like, really simplifying the character um, as much as possible. And then also, I mean, because, like, a lot of my work deals with, like, pretty heavy topics. Like, I always want to reward the reader by um, making the characters kind of, like, friendly to look at and so that I think it like softens the blow of some of the content so um that's my way of kind of like rewarding the reader for looking you know and and inhabiting these spaces with me you know that's that's really interesting and and honestly like what you said is like it makes a lot of sense because I kind of wrote that down as far as like that's what it it felt like for me of kind of like a perfect combination of like that those childlike uh the childlike innocence of those, of some of those uh, Sunday or Saturday morning uh, cartoons in the, in the paper with also with subversive things like R. Crumb and some of the people that you mentioned. Can you talk about like how you developed uh, just like your own personal character as far as like how you draw that character, that the character of Leslie um, and like how, how it's, it's changed at all? Um, yeah. So I didn't put a lot of like, if you see the first page of that bright eyed at midnight, that's like the start of that style. And I really wasn't thinking about it too much. I'm like, Oh, she has my hair and she kind of looks like an emoji, you know, then people will know it's me because it's on my Tumblr or whatever. But then as the style progressed, you know, she became rounder and then her body became more formed. She has like terrible posture. Like I do because it's such simple drawing. A lot of it has to do with like how you're reading the posture 
along with the dialogue. Like if they're slumped and they're saying something and their face looks a certain way and you have the same, a different posture, like a very upright posture on someone whose face looks the exact same way as saying the same thing, you're going to totally read it differently, even though you won't notice it. Um, like a lot of people notice that that's the difference, but they will still be reading it very differently in terms of like the tone. Um, so I think that nuances got like a lot more um, nuanced as <laughs> they went, I guess. So what's, uh, you said you're working on your new book. What are, what are some of the things that you're going to go over in the book that you're working on now? So the one now, it's funny because you're like, we're talking about the last stuff and I'm just like, yeah, like when I'm done with the book, I'm like, I don't talk about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, oh, let's talk about the new one that'll take me you another know, like year or whatever. But um, so during the beginning of, well, okay. So I should say, based on our first part of the conversation that I was not very productive at the beginning of like the whole COVID thing. Because I was like everyone else. I was just like, how can I focus? Like, I don't know what's going on. Like every day they're telling different things on the radio. So like, and then what happened was like, you know, as like a bar person, like I can't go to bars. I was like, I guess I'll get to go margaritas and wander around getting drunk by myself all day for like, I don't know, like two months. I did that probably. (laughs) And it wasn't all bad. You know, I saw some like beautiful sunsets. You put your headphones in. But then I was like, okay, this is getting bad. (laughs) I've got to stop. So I was like, I want to work on something that's not heavy, not autobiographical. Um, That's fiction. So I can do whatever I want within it. So I thought the most simple premise would be like, just take a band and put them on tour through the States so that I'm like traveling through my house, you know? Um, So I just have them start in Brooklyn and then they go all the way to the West coast and back. Um, And each city is like a different little, like, I almost think about it like a sitcom, like each city is a different episode. Um, And like today I was working on Montana, they're in Montana. And uh, so I'm like, I really plan it like a road trip where I was like, okay, so it's nine hours to drive through Montana. So they were going to stop in the middle. What's in the middle. And I have to find the cities in the middle and like, where should they eat? Where would I want to eat? Oh, you want to eat at famous Dave's. And then you want to go see, you know, there's all these, like, it is true. Like all over America, as I'm looking at this like map of different like things um, to go see like along I-94 just giant versions of things. So I found in Montana today, there's the world's uh, largest boombox statue. I never heard of it. Why would you need, like, who came, was like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. (laughs) I mean, it must have taken them a long time to make this giant boombox. So I'm definitely going to put that in the comic, you know? (laughs) Sure. And also I found that, like, Evil Knievel is buried in Montana. Also a totally random thing. So I'm gonna, they're definitely mm-hmm. going to go there. Um, so it's great. So it's like, I didn't even realize when I started the project, like how like useful it would be for my mental state to be, to be all over the country and just like having that be a distraction for me right now, you know? And are those the, I saw some of the, you've put some of those on your Instagram? Yeah, I put a lot of them on my Instagram because I'm bored and <laughs> it's nice to have people like, you know, to talk to you about the work you know i appreciated them especially the ones i was looking at yesterday that were of chicago because i'm also from chicago as well so. oh where are you from i'm from lakeview in the city. okay i'm from evanston so yeah so like 20 minutes uh, yeah north of, of where i grew up which is 
I was saying that to George earlier, like we've had so the world is crazy. We've had so many people that like, and I'm, I'm 36. So like we've, we've had a lot of people that have grown up within like 20 minutes of me in the same era <laughs> um, yeah. that like I didn't know before. So yeah, that's crazy. Um, but uh, what so you, that that's interesting that you're, you were a musician, right? So that's, that's something that, or is that something that you're still doing? Do you still do music stuff? I mean, I can still play guitar if you put one on my lap, but I mean, um, I had just started playing with this band. We had like four practices right before the first kind of like shut down. Um, so what I did actually too, is like two of the characters, the band uh, members are based, they're not them, but they're physically based on the two dudes I was playing with. So I was like, yeah, like, can I use you guys since I would hang out with you? They're like, sure. Um, so yeah, so I still play and you know, when this is over, I'm sure I'll I'll play again. A lot of the stuff from this tour obviously is taken from like my touring experiences too. So, um, so that's kind of fun too. I was a question for you. I mean, for the Chicago sequence, did it ring like true to you as, Oh, that's Chicago. Absolutely. I mean, the first thing was like hot dog stands and like, yeah, yeah a hundred percent. And, and also like, you want to do something very funny is, uh, um, you draw like, you draw Chicago people with a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I mean, like people can't see me, but yeah, we have, we have all of us that are white men in the same age range. We have mustaches. We all have mustaches. So I appreciated that. <laughs> yeah. I was afraid people are going to like, I'm never sure. Like I'm always afraid to put anything on the internet because I'm afraid people are just going to, you know, reel on you about whatever. But like that sequence, you know, like there's the hot dog guy and he's like, Hey, dare, you know, you're like a hey, guy, you know? And if someone were to be like, hey, you know, like Chicagoans aren't like that. I'm like, dude, I'm from Chicago. Yeah. So I can I can make fun of Chicago. Like this is one thing I got, you know. 100%. Like, like today I put this one up about, um, uh, where, where was I today? Um, Minneapolis, maybe? Minneapolis. <laughs> George, George is all over. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, well, it's weird because I was like, you know, working on Montana today. But yeah, so my friend Brett, you know, Brett Saxon, right? I do, yes. Like another bartender from uh, our neighborhood. Um, so he's from Minneapolis. So I've never been to Minneapolis. And I was like, well, I got to ask him what's up with Minneapolis. And he's like, they got to see the cherry on a spoon and they got to mm -hmm. play. I was like, well, they're like a mid-level band. He's like, oh, they got to play this place. Um, and so then I put on like Instagram, like, I hope I did a good job because I don't know. And then this one guy was threatening, like, oh, this is so great. And I go to his page and he's like from Minneapolis. And I was like, fuck yeah, I got it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. There's a, I think there was one, uh, I think the, the Minneapolis comic or one of the comics that are from the past few days was like, was a guy pre-gaming. It was like, uh, and that kind of spoke to me. He goes like, yep, done that and been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just going for it before you go out, out on stage. Um, uh, so Leslie, we don't want to take up too much of your time, but of course we brought you on the player game and uh, know your roles game and you it's your history of being a bartender and being a music nerd as Dave and I are. We uh, we brought you on to talk about the the five songs that you want to have playing during your shift. So um, I have uh, I struggled with this a great deal because there's like so many tunes that I like that I like to listen to during my shift. It's really hard this one, man. It, 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 this is this is super difficult. And even before you came on here, I'm actually like scratching like oh that way we can't start off with that. 
So uh, to, to explain to our listeners and what we're going to do today is like each song is going to represent like a part of the night. So song one is going to be the start of your shift. Song two is like the shift is going. Uh, song three, the shift is at like the, the peak of its evening. Song four is going to be their, your last call. Everybody get the fuck out. And song five is the song that you're playing when um, when you're there by yourself and you're smoking a cigarette and you're just sort of having that one drink before you head on home. So, Leslie, you being our guest, what is your song one for the start of your shift? Okay. Am I allowed to just say it or should I explain it? However also? you want to do it. You do whatever you want. Okay. Because I have explanations for these. I had to, I had to think about it a lot. Perfect. But like, and they're all like, they all change. It depends on like where you work and like sure. what you've been listening to that week. But, what day um, of the week it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess my opening, I would want something, you know, you want something really like upbeat for me, like, uh, like carrying heavy stuff around. Like I want to like start it really strong and no one's there yet. So you can like blast it. So I, <laughs> I went running today and like song, I feel like for running, like a song that would work for running would work for like opening the bar. So I listened to this ACDC song. Um, uh, what's it called? Hard as a rock. <laughs> I love running to hard as a rock. So I would play that. That would be my opening song. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right, Dave, go ahead. Okay. So my opening song, I also like, I like to be, you know, I don't like to go like super crazy upbeat, but I do need something a little upbeat. And like, usually my happy place for like setup and, and even for breakdown is, is reggae. Um, it's some, like, I'm hardly, it, it doesn't bring out any anger. <laughs> um, I, I'm hardly ever mad. Like it's, it's always good, but uh, this, so the song that I, I want is uh, 5446 was my number by Toots and the Maytals. And just a very quick story, when I used to bar back many years ago and I used to have to work a brunch shift or, or like a day shift where I would be there at like 8.30 in the morning starting to cut fruit and juices and all that nonsense. And like, I would be putting on, I, but I just go in my zone and I, I'd have like Toots and the Maytals playing and like, it's very chill and you know, I'm setting up, I'm in my zone and then my bartender Wilmer, uh, who I'll give a shout out to that I, I love, but he used to do something that like he would walk in and immediately just run around to the bar and put on as loud as possible, the most like aggressive, like he put on like Juicy J, like the most aggressive, like dirty hip hop. And I love it, but like not at 830 in the morning when I have to do like two quarts of orange juice. Um, so yeah, 5446 was my number, Tooth in the Maytals. That's how I want to set up my bar. George. What if your coworker played the sublime version? Would you be like, <laughs> what the fuck, hey, man? That it's just it. It's the same vibe. Just chill. It's chill. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good with that. It would just be like you know. I like. I'm. I have to have my coffee and shit. Like I'm easing yeah. into the day, and he just like. I'm just like, dude. Like, can we wait an hour? Anyway, George. <laughs> Uh, my song one is like. Uh, I, I'm. I, I'm going for maybe a different aesthetic for me when I start because like. Because uh, uh, I'm. Uh, pretty much prepared but i need something just kind of like mentally chill and uh something about the song i'm not in love by 10 cc just kind of just gets me there mentally and um and if you guys have ever heard it this is just like just it's just an incredible tune i think they're a one here wonder from the 70s but i i love that song uh i'm not in love by uh by 10 cc and uh oddly enough i one of the uh i went to go see lcd sound system um uh, when they were doing their last run of shows before the the they broke up 
and they opened their show with that song. And I was like, I'm trying to think, it's like, did they get that from me or did I get that from them? I'm pretty sure they got that from me because I'm way cooler. Anyway, so <laughs> the movie thing right along. So, uh, Leslie, what is your song too for your bartending shift? So I was thinking about this a lot. And, um, you know, like sometimes you're sick of your playlist and you'll want to put on a record. I don't know if you guys ever do that. But so I kind of thought about it like that. Um, so I thought about more of like a record that I could put on that no one would complain about Mm -hmm. which is like a big deal like some kind of equalizer um so i would say like stevie wonder inner visions is kind of one of those records to me like you could pick any song off that but like you put that on and like everyone a happy hour like everyone feels good like no one would complain about it like it's just kind of a nice thing to have on during like a, a nice day shift or something like that nice Dave. Yeah, I was kind of thinking similarly, and I've actually worked at places where we've played exclusively vinyl, and like it's awesome to just like put on a record, and like you know we a lot of we don't listen to music that way anymore a lot of times, so it's like it's really and it's also like as a bartender, it, it streamlines your thought process because you you have like yeah you know forty five minutes of of things you don't have to think about now, which is great. Um, but uh, so I, I was thinking similarly, I want something that's like very pleasing and it's very smooth and i also like i took a I, I took a literal uh approach to a lot of these um and this one for my my like second song into the shift is uh stepping into tomorrow by donald bird the uh the jazz track and uh it's also like like i said it's the perfect like uh, catharsis as far as like you know people that's always a good hour. People, people are, are letting their hair down. They're taking their ties off. They're out of work. People are in a good mood, especially if it's Friday, they haven't gotten too shit faced yet. So they're not too difficult to deal with. Um, and like, you play, I like to play some like real smooth, you know, awesome stuff. And yeah, that's why, uh, Donald Byrd, who I had to, I looked this up and was, uh, surprised to know his, his full name is, is incredible. Donaldson, Toussaint La Overture Bird the Second. I don't know if you knew that word. It's just incredible. Um, but yeah, stepping into tomorrow. I, I love him. I have to steal that from you <laughs> next time I bartend. Any, honestly, like, and there's so many of his records that like is perfect for that hour. He's incredible. Anyway, George. Uh, my song too is like uh, I feel like um, I I've always loved the song because I think it's just a great sample and it's a uh, big girl by Ghostface. It's a good song to sort of let, because I started off with I'm not, I'm not in love by 10 CC. So I'm crescendoing into uh, the, the rest of the night. So in big girl starts off as a slow song. It's a sample by the stylistics. Uh, uh, you're a big girl now. And, uh, and then by the end of the song, he's like, uh, it's, he's, it's like full on. And now we're ready to, to, to go out to the night. So my song too is Big Girl by Ghostface off of Fish Scale. So, Leslie, song three, we are now in the apex of our evening, bartending. What is the song that you're playing? Okay, so I didn't know. this. You said two and three, I thought were like mid-level. So I didn't, I didn't think of apex of the shift. Oh, that's just me. Um, <laughs> okay. But, um, well, also, I'm, you have to understand, like, I'm kind of colored by my last bartending shift. Cause it was like, I always work happy hours and it is like an old man bar. So like, I couldn't get that weird or like <laughs> anything other than I had to stick to like some kind of script just for my own, like 
mental protection. <laughs> but um, so I'd probably put on like some credence or something like that. Cause like, that's another one, like no one complains about, but if it's just a song, like another thing I would do um, like a conversation starter song with people um, was always this song called why by Carly Simon, because it's like this dance song that she did. And every time I put it on, people be like, that voice is so familiar, but I don't know who it is. And I'd be like, well, you got to guess, you know, it's like everyone's talking to each other and like, who is this? And no one can ever get it. And finally, I'm like, Carly Simon, and everyone's like, yeah. so it's like, that's a fun one. Cause it's like, people are interacting with each other and you can kind of get a load off. Like you don't have to like, they're entertained for a second, you know? <laughs> Excellent choice, Dave. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, this is, I was thinking about it like at the, the height of maybe not the apex, but just when you're, when you're really like jamming and you want something that's going to like move people, uh, you know, and people are going to like, and maybe sing along. Um, but I, again, I also took a literal, a literal approach to this one. And that's why, and it's also something I definitely played this whole album during this time. But the song I went with is, uh, if you want me to stay by Sly and the family stone. Um, and if you have a moment later, just for, for you two guys and for anyone who has ever bartended before, look up the lyrics of the song. They are so unbelievably applicable to bartending. It's not even funny. And like, it is kind of funny, but, um, um, oh, I, but, don't, I uh, don't need to look it up. I know. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got parents who were, who were, who were way in the slice, um, like to the point where it'll blow your fucking mind. So do, 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 I, yeah, I no, I, many times, <laughs> um, but like. But it, it, it is akin to me of like, so even the first lines, like, if you want me to stay, I'll be around today. I'll be available for you to see, um, you know, and it's like that moment where like you're slammed and you go to someone because they like look ready and you're like, hey, how's it going? Like, what can I do for you? And they're like, well, uh. I want. And you're like, do you need like a second? Like, I'll give you a second. Um, and uh yeah, it's like when you're looking for people to make moves and I honestly like, I'll give people a second and I'll just walk away. I'll walk away and go to the next person. And when you see me again, I hope that you have been the kind of person that you really are now, which is ready to fucking order something. So slide in the family <laughs> stone if you want me to stay. Yeah, I'm about to go and then you'll know. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, the whole thing, the whole thing <laughs> is good, incredible. Man. You can't take me for granted and smile. Oh my God. Shout out to the... Uh, Shout out to the the Dead President soundtrack that that's off of. It's also off of Stand. Uh, anyway, moving right along. So I'm like, I'm at the point now where I'm like, I'm probably annoyed with bartending because it's like it's probably packed. So I'm like, I'm gonna play something that's like a that's like only interesting for for me and maybe like a handful of people who are probably paying attention. So my song number three is "For Whom the Bell Tolls" by Metallica. <laughs> it's a great song to run to. And it's a great song to sort of like, all right, I'm going to play this really fucking loud so that they hear your stupid Tinder date or whatever the fuck you got going on. And this is, this is, I'm, I'm excited for this song just for me and me only. So for whom the bell tolls by Metallica. Um, also, whenever I hear it in movies, I'm like, let's fucking go. Let's do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I got excited about that. So Leslie, song number four, what is your last call song? Okay. Everybody get the so fuck out. I have a specific one for this one. Um, so first of all, like you turn down the music really low or I do either people turn it really loud or aggressively, but I turn it really low. So people are like, 
getting, and I do it like gradually and I turn up the lights like gradually over the last like half an hour. Like if it's like three 30 to four in the morning. Um, and so people all of a sudden like that are talking really loud can like hear themselves and they kind of like, so I play this, um, like there's a half an hour long song by a Swedish band from the seventies called Trod Grass Augstenar that translates into tree grass and stone. And I would put that on at three 30 and let it ride till four while like turning the music up slowly and then just be like everybody out. <laughs> but people start to trickle out by then anyway, because they just feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> Dave. I have a similar strategy. Like this, this one was one of the hardest ones for me. Um, I have like a similar strategy. And like, I used to work with a bartender who like way back in the day who hated Tom Waits and thought that Tom Waits was like the worst, like that would clear out the whole bar. (laughs) Well, the thing is, is like, regardless of what I personally feel about Tom Waits, it doesn't do that anymore. (laughs) It doesn't clear the bar. (laughs) Especially if you're fucking working in Williamsburg or like Lower East Side, like that doesn't clear out the fucking bar. It just going to make shit worse. Um, Yeah. They're going to like, they've taken off their hat at one point. They put it back on their stand. (laughs) Yeah. But, but so, so I didn't choose Tom Waits. Um, I, I went with another, uh, another like literal one. Um, because like, you know, if it's last call, it's not the last song that I play, you know what I mean? Like I might play some other stuff, but I am like you where I like gradually will turn it down and I'll, I'll generally like when I'm really done and I'm like, I'm not serving anyone, I'll put on like dub or like Augusta spot, like something that no one can sing along to something that no one's going to be like, Ooh, I have to wait until this is over. You don't have to wait with dub because the whole 20 minutes sounds the same. So, um, that's my strategy. But for this song, like I said, I'm going literal. So I went with uh, a song that, like I said, this is it. This is it by Kenny Loggins, which is a, uh, uh, which it filed under a term that George and I have mentioned as being super problematic, which is blue eyed soul, uh, which basically just means white guys appropriating soul and, and making it corny, which, which is like kind of my, my aesthetic too. So <laughs> So, uh, um, not, not the appropriation part, but just the, uh, the goofy white guy part. Um, but, uh, uh, so yeah, this is it. Make no mistake where you are order now or get the fuck out is basically, uh, the second part of that. And, oh, just one more line that I, uh, wrote down. Are you going to wait all night for your miracle? This is it. (laughs) So yeah, this is it. Kenny Loggins. Um, uh, you don't have to ever apologize for that song. That song is incredible. Also, that album cover, which I own on vinyl, by the way, shout out to me. It's also <laughs> fucking incredible. Oh, it's so weird looking. <laughs> don't, don't get it wrong. Like I, I love it. And like, that song is so good. People do love like all that shit. Like we've talked about Hall and Oates and like all that shit. And like that's the kind of stuff that like pre bartending, I was like absolutely not. I hate it. Uh, but now like I'm like I love it because it makes people feel good. Yeah, no, I think it's, and it's oddly enough, it's about the song on a side note. The song is about his father uh, in the hospital. This is it. So, uh, so shout out to Kenny Long is making an incredible song. Is it really? I thought it was a break. Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's about his dad in the hospital, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, my, my actually, so going to me, it was like, a, I had no problems thinking of the song for my last call song. The only, the only issue was like, um, which two songs, so this is a twofer, which song do I play before, which one, which one comes first, which one comes second? So I'm going to do this. It's like, uh, I cheated a little bit. It's two songs. One of them is Genesis, That's All, 
which is a great song to play at the end of the night. And then we're going to follow it up with It's Late by Queen, which is the greatest last call song of all time. It's Late by Queen. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Leslie, moving right along to our last song of the evening. The the shift is over. You're having a cigarette by yourself, maybe a cocktail or two and a a beer. And then uh, what, what song are you listening to? So this was a really hard one too. Um, like it really depends on my mood, but I would listen to something like I gotta say I would I would go Chris Isaac Wicked Game. Just like, <laughs> put that fucking on. You got your whiskey. You got your cigarette with your you know like some water in the glass. And you're like bing bing. <laughs> no one's there. You're like yeah, all right, I did it. You counting your money. <laughs> Great tune. I actually saw him live, and it was like basically. <laughs> It's like everybody knew is like, I think it's coming. It's like, he's like, you better play that fucking song if you see Chris Isaac. So, <laughs> he has to play that. Oh my God. How can he not? I, I had this um, conversation with a few of my friends, just like, uh, we're talking about like his records. And then they're like, what do you think? Like, they're all sitting in the first playback of that song. They all looked at each other and they were probably all like, we're all going to be rich. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that's a tune that, like, if he opened with, you'd be fucking pissed. No, he can't <laughs> open with that. No, he can't open with that. The concert's over. It's like, he's going to play it twice. <laughs> and then it. Oh, boy. All right. So I'm next with my uh, my fifth one. My, uh, again, same setup as you, Leslie, whiskey and the cup of water for the cigarette. Um, uh, but uh, I, so I chose a song that like, it's definitely kind of a song about hardship, but it's also a very triumphant song. And like you said, I'm very mood specific and like, I, it might change. I mean, honestly, I might listen to Tom Waits while I'm counting money <laughs> just to like feel sad and terrible. <laughs> but, uh, but the song that I chose is Sharon Jones. I'm still here, which is like, you know, she, she, I think about her a lot. I mean, especially like late at night because she's someone who for so many reasons is so inspiring, but you know, she is someone who she, she was a a corrections officer and she did many of many jobs because she had to support herself and live. And like, she, she faced so much uh, bullshit from record companies and she talks about it in this song, talking about that. They told her she was too fat, too short, black and old to be successful. And it took her until she was like 50, but she took off and blew up. And I always, I always feel, like I said, I, I really think about her a lot. And uh, I think she's so, so inspiring. And this song is like, so like, like she's really real about the shit that she's gone through. And I'm not comparing a, uh, a bar, a hard bartending shift to, to the things that she's gone through. Uh, I definitely haven't gone through many of those things, but but you can still like relate to that spirit and and yeah, I love that song so much. And honestly, Sharon Jones always. Yeah, like man, I saw her at I, I was so lucky to see her at Red Rocks um, in Colorado during a festival, and it was just like all these like other bands played the whole day, and it's just like the only thing I think about was her. Just I saw her twice, and she's like, yeah, yeah. she's one of those people that like, yeah, I I'll, like I've seen a lot of great shows and great performers but very rarely have i felt like so under the spell of a performer the way that i felt 
watching Sharon Jones. You know, she was just unbelievable. But yeah, I'm still here. Uh, yeah, I got to see her once too. She opened for Prince, and it's weird. Like when you're at when you're at that concert, and you're thinking, "Is like this is going to be something that you'll be doing for 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 years to come." And it, it was it was just two years later that both of them were gone. So, shout out to Prince and shout out to uh, Sharon Jones. They're they 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 that concert was one of the best shows I've ever been to. Uh, so on to me. So this is oddly enough the easiest song for me to choose. My 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 last the song that are like I'm smoking a cigarette. I've got a like a whiskey neat and a uh, pilsner. And uh, the reason why it was the easiest because uh, a year or two ago I was working on a writing a pilot about an aging womanizing bartender. And uh, loosely based on several people I know, not me. <laughs> and anyway, I thought it was like, what would be the greatest theme song for this TV show? This sort of uh, cheers meets uh, high fidelity. And for me, the song that like I enjoyed the most listening that re- that reflects, I guess, my time being a bartender and that like the, about these things is everybody knows this is nowhere by Neil Young. Um, uh, that song just crushes me even to this day. I'm actually getting chills just thinking about it. Um, uh, just something about the lyrics that was like, I think I want to go back home and take it easy. It just just speaks to me on so many levels, especially at four o'clock in the morning when I'm when I'm having my my post shift drink. So to close out my night, the easiest song on my playlist. Everybody knows this is nowhere by Neil Young. That's a- I've played that song during setup. <laughs> not, not the best idea. <laughs> yeah, Neil's definitely like a full record guy for me. Also, um, he's also like some of the best driving music. Like I just had um, the band in the comic, like a whole sequence about them talking about Neil. They're talking about on the beach. Amazing album. Um, but just I like you can listen to that everywhere you are, and like the the scenery will look great. You know, but that's a great great end of the night tune. And like he's a great person to put on like for mood. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. like I'll I'll put I'll play uh, like the whole fucking thing, and that like with those tw- those like hard guitar like oh my god, so good. Anyway, George. Yeah, no, he's he's he was the best. I just got I just got a trans on vinyl. That record is fucking incredible. <laughs> um, uh, so Leslie, you have played the game. We've done the interview. You have been a delight as always. I wish I could see you more. Uh, before we let you go, uh, plug something for us. Um, plug something. Oh, okay. If you want some rock comics and to see cartoon characters talk about their favorite Neil Young records, go to my Instagram page. I'll be putting stuff up for like a year. Um, it's Leslie and then AM, which are my middle initials, and then Stein, um, if you want to check it out. And also, um, yeah, stop by Double Windsor and get a, uh, Get a drink from George. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, listen. And go to Tara's books afterwards. Yeah, and, and pick up, and pick up Leslie's books. books. <laughs> well, thank you, Leslie. We did it. Um, uh, well, uh, I, I, dude, absolutely. Uh, seriously, again, thanks for, for, for coming on the show and being such a great sport. And, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to read your books again. It was like, I feel like I've hung out with you for a few hours yeah. and that's kind of all right. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. We, we really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. It was really nice to meet you. Hopefully talk to you guys Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Good to see you, bud. Me too. All right. We did it. That uh, was great. We did. We I figured we'd probably, when we put this episode out, we're going to produce a Mary Best and maybe like have like a playlist of these songs for for people to sort of like add to their, their playlists at home because uh, 
I think the the 15 or so tracks that we chose between the three of us were were all very very good. Totally, man. Something for everybody. I had such a a, a good time thinking about that that and and uh, you know I listening to you guys uh, share as what well, to you and, and Leslie share as well. Yeah, there's something about the fraternity of, of bartending that uh, you know I said to you. I don't think. This is going to be on on the recording, but I said to you before we kind of started that, you know, I get myself in trouble and it's like a, a push a T scenario. Uh, if you know, you know, <laughs> whereas like, you know, you can just talk, you, talking to other bartenders is just always such a great experience. And all my, all the bartenders that you have that like become your regulars, uh, which is what I am for George, actually, how we met. Um, uh, but uh you know, that's such a special thing. And, and I love those conversations. And, and I really enjoyed hearing, you know, about the thought process, uh, you know, and how it's similar to my own and, and also different in some ways. And yeah, I hope everybody had fun. Absolutely. And uh, buy her books too, by the way, and read her comics. Uh. Uh, yes, um, definitely. We, we certainly want to plug I Know You Writer. Right out of midnight. Right at midnight. Go ahead and get those from your local bookstore. Uh, fuck Amazon, please. Fuck Amazon. Fuck Jeff Bezos. Um, but yeah, get them from your local bookstore. Support Leslie. Again, follow her on social media. She also has um, a website through Drawn and Quarterly where she has like some of her strips and stuff. And man, her stuff is so so cool, man. I I really got a lot out of it and really really enjoyed it. Um. Cool. George, what's, uh, what are you looking for this weekend? What are you looking forward to the next few days here till our next episode? Well, nothing exciting. <laughs> uh, the Senior Bowl is on Saturday, and uh, me as the resident college football person, and uh, I like to pay attention to draft, and um, uh, the this, this Senior Bowl is like is not the, 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 the greatest place to sort of evaluate talent, but um, the, some of the breakout stars of, of people who are at the Senior Bowl become, end up becoming stars and the NFL, and uh, the one big star that was at the Senior Bowl in 2014 is Aaron Donald, and Aaron Donald at the Senior Bowl just pretty much just wrecked shop and ended up the combine, just blew everybody away, and next thing you know, he's going to be going down as one of the greatest uh, linemen uh, defenders of, of all time. So, one of the greatest defensive, yeah. Um, uh, and uh, oddly enough, is like people even say like a few weeks later that had he been 100%, maybe the outcome of that Rams Packers game would have been different because David Bakhtiari, who we mentioned in the last podcast, didn't play. And even though Bakhtiari is a left tackle and Aaron Donald's inside him, inside lineman, um, uh, he gets he gets moved around a lot. This is how good he is. Uh, anyway, so I'm gonna be watching the senior bowl because I do want to see some of these, these quarterbacks. I don't know what my football team is going to do as far as drafting goes, we do have a lot of holes. Well, one of our biggest holes is a is a is a quarterback because I'm thinking we're going to bring Alice with that. So, I'm going to be checking out some of these second and third rounders uh, quarterbacks who could possibly be joining the depth chart on my my football team. So that's what I'm looking forward to the Senior Bowl Saturday at two thirty. Dave, that is how you know that your football team is not very good if you are watching the Senior Bowl. <laughs> I mean, I I'm not judging you because I I would do I do shit like that too. <laughs> But like you're getting, I'll be taking you're, notes. You're getting deep because like you know it's the Senior Bowl for everybody who doesn't know. Like, like seventy percent of the players that play in the Senior Bowl won't play in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you said. It's not the. It's not like the great because like a lot of the players. It's a great place for players that aren't from huge programs to make a big splash. Um, 
Um, I mean, like this, like the last couple of years, like Justin Herbert played in last year, and Justin Herbert is probably going to be Rookie of the Year. Um, uh, and then I, I'm I'm very interested in to see like uh, the kid from BYU, uh, Zach Wilson, who's who they're saying is going to go to the second quarterback in the draft. I'm also like the uh, and living alone, not going out. Is like I just sort of just dive into like just like numbers and and math and that sort of thing, and then like player evaluation. So I get excited about these things because like. Uh, I would normally be somewhere drinking, but I can't do that. So yeah. <laughs> you got to, you got to, you got to get in where you fit in. So fair enough. What are you looking forward to this weekend? All right, uh, a couple of things I am looking forward to very quick. One is uh, it's not quite this weekend. It's actually on Valentine's Day, February fourteenth. But I just wanted to uh, plug it real quick because there are still tickets available. I actually, got uh, tickets for me and Hillary for this fun like Zoom show that's put on by the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America. Um, and it's a fundraiser and it's called, it's a, it, what they're calling it is a live interactive trivia game show that is rom-com themed for, uh, our, for uh, Valentine's Day. And it's called 10 Things I Hate About Cuomo. And uh, yeah, if you've heard this podcast, you know that there are more than 10 things that I hate about Cuomo. So um, but I mention it because it is there's there's a lot of like fun comedians and and awesome people on it, uh, hosted by Simone Norman and Aparna Nanchurla, who I know that yours you are you are friends with. Um, I do know Aparna, yes, being stand up comedians and featuring many many guests, uh, stand up comedians, including friend of the pod Josh Gondelman. Oh, nice. So. Yeah, so I think that's going to be super fun. It's like going to be like a trivia, like, and there, there's like skits. And so, yeah, it's it's all donation-based. Uh, it goes to their Tax the Rich campaign. Um, I highly recommend looking into that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, maybe I'll see you on the Zoom call. <laughs> that's the thing. I'll probably mute my – I probably won't show my video. <laughs> um, but anyway. Oh, Is that how it works? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you can – You'll be on a fucking thing and you'll see everybody. Um, because I think they I think they mute you. Oh yeah, it's all oh, okay, okay. Totally, but like they'll they'll if it's interactive, oh okay, gotcha. Um they'll they'll like they'll unleash that for a second and then you can, you know, they'll call on you and shit. That's like a nightmare. Yeah, well I won't. I'm not gonna participate. <laughs> I just wanna watch it. <laughs> but uh but yeah, it's a good good cause. And like I said, Josh is on it and some really funny people. And it's like an hour and it's like Valentine's Day. And it like it was fun because it's like I bought us like a thing to do, you know, like it like it, it's nice. I I, uh, I really appreciate that. It's cool to have uh, some fun, some fun little little stuff. The the very Last thing I'm going to say, as far as looking forward to one of the things, as far as media go or like TV and stuff goes, that I'm like so fucking excited about, and I'm probably going to watch. I think there might be two so far, but there's definitely at least one. I might watch it later when Hillary passes out <laughs> after she passes out. Um, which is Painting with John, dude. Painting with John, which is a new series developed by fucking, uh, you know musician actor and resident new york crank uh john lurie um who is like kind of reprising his fishing with john series from many years ago that mm -hmm. had you know so many great like there's the tom waits episode and jim jarmusch is on one and this one is about painting and like he's a painter now and like i think the first episode is called something like 
Bob Ross was wrong. <laughs> and uh, the trailer for it looked incredible. So, and like, like I said, being a big fan of uh, Fishing with John, I'm like, it, it looks awesome, man. Painting with John on HBO Max, John Lurie. That's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, as George would say, I'm going to give it a sniff. Give it a sniff. That's <laughs> that's what my buddy says. Now I've just co-opted it. My buddy says, like, I'm going to give it a sniff. In fact, I think he said he was going to call his comedy record that. Give it a sniff. I'm like, <laughs> and then I heard somebody say it on a podcast. I, uh, it was there like, are a, no, you know. It was like, I was like, God damn it. Everybody's sniffing everything. Shit. There's, you know, there's no original <laughs> ideas anyway. As long as you're know. like, knowingly taking from someone. Like, give it, a, give it a sniff. So shout out to Matt <laughs> Wayne for giving it a sniff. Um, no, I think that's it. I think we did it. Yeah, I, I think so too. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's another week on uh, Know Your Roles. I hope that you, uh, we hope that you enjoyed it. Yes, please. Uh, please rate and uh, subscribe and all that other stuff. And uh, even if you don't like us, I'm just kidding. I don't really care if you don't like us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you don't like us, you can probably just keep it to yourself and stop listening. But yeah, yeah. but uh, if you no, do, I, I, I'm there for that hate if you don't like us, but yeah. you continue to listen. I'm there for that. I'm, that sounds great. In fact, uh, in fact, that's the that's the audience I do want. It's like I don't I don't know about these CDs, but I'm gonna keep listening. That's that's the crowd I want. I want that crowd that's like who's like who like man, fuck these dudes, but I'm gonna keep listening. Yeah, it's like that, and that sounds great. I want I want that crowd. That's, that's very punk. It's very a punk aesthetic of me to have. That, that's that's my. I want my fan base to like secretly hate me, but also love the, the fact that I'm still doing this shit. I uh, I understand that. <laughs> that sounds that sounds rad. That's very. It's like '80s DC for you right there. So yeah. Either way, rate please rate, subscribe, and review us, please. We we uh, we really appreciate that. And uh, you know, I'm just gonna say, everybody, be safe and healthy. And I know George is gonna do his sign off, but I just want to say very quickly before. Like it's the situation outside in this country, in the States is uh, very dire. I just want everyone to just want to say, like, definitely be careful, take care of each other. And uh, before George says his piece, consider double masking, <laughs> consider looking up double masking. They're recommending it now anyway. But yeah, be safe and healthy, everybody. Is that like double condom? You just don't. Uh, oh, God. You just wear, you uh, ex- wear it until you don't feel anything? Ex- except, <laughs> ex- except I think double masking actually works. Like, like double, like that's, come on. Um, <laughs> but anyway. So. Double it up, ladies and gentlemen. Where, where to? The, uh, I, uh, I like to wear the mask with the bandana because I think the bandana is a fucking hot look. So... When we're done wearing masks, I'll still be rocking a bandana like I'm about to go rob a bank in the 20s and shit. The, uh, um, again, no, thank you for listening. And my usual send-off is wear, wear your mask over your fucking nose. Thank you and good night. Shout out. All right. We're out. You know.